Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Today, we've got part one of our conversation with Marty Reed, an inspirational author, speaker, and leader who wants to help you become a utility player. Let's get to it. It's hard not to be impressed by Marty Reed. She has amazing credentials. Author, speaker, a leader with the Positive Coaches Alliance, and a national champion in softball at UCLA. Though she has the characteristics of a star, Marty will be the first to tell you how and why she thrived because of her ability to play multiple positions and fill different roles, all for the benefit of her team. What are we waiting for? Let's get to it. I am so pleased to have Marty Reed with me as a guest today. Marty, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Sean, for having me. Excited to be here and be a part of this. Wonderful. Well, my first and favorite question for all my guests is, what's your favorite childhood sports-related memory? For me, what I always go back to is the first UCLA softball game that my mom took me to. I believe I was about 12 years old, and at the time, I was focused on track. That was my main sport at the time. And I had never seen someone who looked like me playing softball. I saw Natasha Watley, a black African-American female shortstop in a UCLA uniform and the seed was planted. That was the day I said, wow, I want to play softball for UCLA one day. That is, that's awesome. And it's actually a question I was going to ask you. So you jumped right into that. Up to that point, was it just not your experience to to see many people who look like you playing that sport? Absolutely. Up to that point, I'd always been the only black girl on my teams. Uh, When it came to softball, predominantly white sport, I was used to being the only black girl on the team. Unless one year I had a black teammate, which was my cousin. I I convinced her to come play (laughs) softball with me. So um, a lot of times when I was out there on the softball field, it was an unfamiliar territory socially and culturally. We had different social experiences and cultural experiences um, as my teammates. So I'd be uncomfortable sometimes just, you know, my teammates asking me questions, any type of hip hop reference. I was supposed to know every single dance or reference they'd want to know about, you know, getting those types of questions often and a lot of things that kind of distracted me from the sport. Um, But I tried to focus on my game and just getting better at my skill sets. I always felt that pressure to be so good so they wouldn't focus on any of those other things. But largely your experience of being the only African-American athlete on your team was not really a good one, was it? Looking back on it, I didn't recognize a lot of the, I'd say, microaggressions that I received as a kid. You know, I always say, when you're young and involved in a team atmosphere, the biggest thing is to feel like you belong. You want to feel like you belong on the team. You want to feel like you fit in with all the rest of the girls. So as a kid, I didn't know how to respond in those moments. Um, and I think that oftentimes comments that teammates would share with me about the black experience or asking me those types of questions, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to react 
you know, Marty today would have used those moments as teachable moments. But back then as a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old girl, I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, One moment in particular, um, when I was participating on a travel ball team, I was the only black girl on the team and we would do team dinners and get together and gather for things outside of sports, right? And one time my family was gonna host our team over our place for dinner and one of my white teammates walked up to me and said, is it true that when we get to your house, we have to duck when we get out of the car? And she asked that question not thinking that it was offensive or, you know, she really honestly believed when it came to my blackness, it was associated with violence and poverty and things like that. But when I achieved something really well or when I did great at something or spoke well, they would say things like, oh, Marty's not black. She's different as if that was a compliment. And these things were ingrained into the way that they believe based on societal norms, based on their growing up experiences. So um, I look back on those moments and as a kid, I didn't know how to respond, but today I would have used them as teachable moments or hope there's an adult there that could kind of provide them with um, some guidance on those things are not okay to say. And it, and it hurts kids and it can last for a long time beyond that moment. How did that make you feel when she said that to you? I felt less than, you know, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like this place wasn't for me. So I didn't think softball was my future at that moment. You know, I thought, okay, I'm just going to play. I'll probably have to run track, you know, play basketball in other areas where I'd feel more comfortable and welcomed until, like I said, I saw that black shortstop by the name of Natasha Watley playing at UCLA and that planted the seed for me. And I said, this can be a future for me. This can be somewhere where I can create a space and use my voice and become something, even if there's not a lot of people that look like me that have done it before. Thank you for sharing that, Marty. That was wonderful. Which coach encouraged and inspired you most when you were younger? I'd say when I was younger, my formative years, my first softball coach when I was nine years old, his name was Galen. He was a volunteer dad and he made it so fun. Everything that we did, he he found ways to teach the sport in a fun way and also take the pressure off of the performance side of things. Little things he'd say, like when the ball's hit to your right, you go to the right, you know, like which base to cover and things like that. And it just made the game so much more fun that I was excited to come to practice. I wanted to sleep in my uniform because I couldn't get, couldn't wait to get back to the game the next day. And he saw in me things that I didn't see in myself yet. He would say things like, Marty, you're going to be one of the best softball players out here. You're going to be one of the best players to play the game. And I had no, I didn't even know where left field was versus right field yet. I still wasn't in my, I hadn't reached my potential athletically, but he saw things in me that I hadn't seen yet. And it just expanded my mind and my belief to just achieve more, be more, and also be a great teammate. He always really um, honed in on not just what you do out there on the playing field, but the impact that you make on your teammates is really going to be huge. You're going to make a difference because of the way you use your voice and the way that you get along with others and the way that you have an excellent work ethic. So he spoke life into me and it just made me a better person, not just a better softball player. Well, and I know a little bit about your story as well, but 
On the flip side, what was the impact of the negative coach who really kind of made you question whether you wanted to keep playing the sport that you loved? Yeah. Now, at this point, I had one of my worst coaches when I got to high school. And at this point, I had been getting looks at by colleges and D1 schools, Pac-10 at the time, uh, but now Pac-12 schools were sending me letters and everything. And I remember my first letter from UCLA, I was a freshman and um, my teammates were really excited for me. And they ran up to our coach and they said, coach, did you hear Marty got a letter from UCLA? And he started laughing. And we are all like, wait, what's so funny? And he looks me in the eye and he said, oh, nothing. I just thought they recruited good players. And that was the moment where I thought, wow, I'm not as good as I think I am. I don't want to play anymore. I threw my glove in the trash. My mom was the one that had to convince me, hey, you know, if you want to quit, that's OK. But you do it after the season. You, you devote it already to your teammates. You're going to keep playing to the end of the season for them, you know, because you made a commitment. So she taught me that. She said, if you want to quit, that's fine. You do it after the season. Luckily, that coach was let go and a new coach came in that had a different philosophy, the one that made me fall in love with the game again. And it helped me to retrieve my self-worth and value beyond my performance out there on the playing field. So that former coach that I had, the negative coach, he always made me believe that I was only worthy if I were performing well, if I hit a home run, you know, if I did things exactly his way. And that was very devastating, detrimental. I would get physically sick walking to the softball field, knowing the type of verbal abuse that was coming. So a coach that has that type of negative impact on a child's psychological manner is really long lasting. It can really screw them up long term and the things that they do beyond the playing field. So I think it's one of the reasons why I've devoted my life to help build character of athletes through sports and use this platform and use this environment to not only challenge athletes, but also improve the human spirit. I don't think we have to sacrifice the human spirit within, you know, this arena. Marty, what was the most valuable lesson you learned through a challenge or defeat? For me, the most valuable lesson that I've learned through a challenge is how to bounce back after mistakes, is how to take a challenge or take a defeat or a quote unquote failure and not let that be the end of the story. When I first was on my path to attend UCLA, they let me know that they had no athletic scholarships available. They had already given their last scholarship to a catcher and I don't play catcher, you know? So in that moment, I thought my dream was deferred. I said, wow, okay, I'll go to Cal instead and play against UCLA. And my mom asked me, listen, Marty, if you could never, God forbid, never play a game of softball again in your life, what school do you want to be at? And without hesitation, I said, UCLA. She said, we'll make it happen. I started applying for academic scholarships and raising enough funds to be able to pay for my first two years at UCLA academically. And the second two years were athletic scholarship. So sometimes, you know, you can face these challenges and think that your dream is deferred. But the process, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same way that your mind thinks about it on the front end. Right. I always say if my life were to turn out exactly the way I had planned it to be, 
then I would be much further behind than I am today. Mm. So that life lesson that I learned through sports and challenging moments is not letting it be the end of the story. Mm. You know, sometimes those, you know, hiccups and fallbacks and setbacks can be setting you up for something even greater. So, you know, never letting those things stop you from continuing to dream big, continuing to work hard and seeing other ways that you can achieve things that you set out to. That is incredible stuff. Marty, what's one thing you would tell your 8, 12, or 16-year-old self? Mm, I tell my younger self that it's okay to be who you are, that being your unique, authentic self is important, and you don't have to shrink to fit. I think when I was younger, I constantly felt like I needed to be perfect, that I needed to be liked by everyone surrounding me. And that can hold you back from, you know, some of those authentic things that make you you. And I would tell my younger self, you know, in the future, these people that you think are so cool today are going to be looking for you in the future and wanting to be on your side and and around you later in life. So stop trying to make everybody like you today. It's okay to be yourself. And those that support you are going to be the ones in your corner and they don't, it's okay. They don't understand where you're going. You're headed for something bigger, you know? So I tell myself, be yourself, be yourself. Don't shrink to fit and don't worry about what others think about you. Looking back, what was something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your athletic journey? Ooh, I I can talk about things I appreciate and things I didn't appreciate as well. (laughs) Because I got both. I got both. You know, parents, I think oftentimes they're trying the best that they can. They're doing what they know, right? The way that they were coached, the way that they were parented. Um, One thing that I appreciate about my parents, my dad was my coach. My dad was the one that was the helicopter parent. I'm not going to lie. He was standing behind the plate, yelling instructions at me as the pitch was coming. I definitely didn't appreciate that, (laughs) but I do appreciate the way he was my biggest fan. Although he was my biggest critic, he was my biggest fan. And he was always there to remind me of who I was and how great I was. Right. And he taught me work ethic. He taught me that you're going to have to work twice as hard. Nothing's going to be handed to you in life. I remember studying at home and, you know, my dad's a very smart person, very book smart. And I remember I'd get to a word that I didn't know what it meant. And I say, hey, dad, what does this word mean? And he'd say, you know where the dictionary is. Go look it up. And I'd get so frustrated and so max. I'm like, I know he knows what this means. Why can't he just tell me? He wouldn't just tell me. He'd make me do the work and find the answer. And now looking back on it, going through that process of doing the work and finding the answer for myself taught me the value of work ethic, you know, and made me a better person in that, in those regards. My mom, she was the positive, rah, rah, happy, everything's going to be great. Uh, support. You know, she was the one to lift me up in those moments where my dad was really hard on me. She was that positive parent. So all I got from her was just the the cheering, right? And the support. Sometimes to, to an overly competitive athlete, that can get annoying, right? Where I strike out and she's like, you did great today. I'm like, no, I didn't, mom, you know? <laughs> 
But I understand that relentless positivity was so necessary and needed for me to stay grounded and stay on this path when things got tough. Having her to say, everything's okay, you're gonna be okay, I'm so proud of you, that constant positive reinforcement from her, is she's one of my biggest role models, someone that I try to be more like every day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast, subscribe, and share. And don't forget, you can contact me through my website, seankjensen.com. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you next time. Hey.